Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. Joining the show today to talk about the latest Seahawks practice ahead of Saturday's mock game. He's the Seahawks writer for the Seattle PI. Ben Arthur joins the show. Appreciate you coming on, Ben. Thanks for having me on, Brandon. Super excited to be with you, uh, speaking with you. Yeah, I'm fired up. This is the first time I've, I've had you on. So uh, this is cool with the, the mock game coming up on Saturday, about a week or so of training camp in the books, at least, you know, where they're out there and, and practicing on the field. I think Friday was day eight of them having that ability to be out on the field. And, and I'm kind of wondering, Ben, on Thursday, you mentioned it was a great day for the defense. Uh, have there been any major takeaways from you watching practice today? Yeah, the, the, I'd say the defense c- continues to. Um, I have to kind of toe the line a little bit just because of you know what the Seahawks say I can and can't report. But sure, I will say that the defense has looked good. You know that they looked you know great again. Jamal Adams, uh, I think you know the, the hype is well warranted with him obviously being an All Pro coming in, but just the energy um, that he's brought to the sec, not just the secondary, but the entire defense and his ability to blitz, to cover, to really do everything. I think that's going to be really apparent to fans, you know, f- from, you know, the, the start of the season, uh, because he, he's, he's going to be a big impact guy, but yeah, overall uh, defense looks good. Uh, I like uh, the, the rookie running back DJ Dallas, he should get a lot of, you know, reps, especially early on, um, you know, with, with Penny's situation mm-hmm. on PUP and uh, Chris Carson actually missed uh, his second con- consecutive practice. It's it's kind of unclear at this point. He did miss uh, some of the practices at the start of training camp tending to a family matter, um, ac- according to Pete Carroll. But his latest uh, absence from the team the last couple of days, it's kind of unclear at this point uh what the deal is but you know because of that and uh you know obviously with penny you know dj dallas should you know get a lot of looks and and he's he's definitely been a guy that's impressed me and then the uh, the offensive line i think is you know coming together i mean i mean they still have some you know king kinks to work out but um the, the young guy damian lewis at right guard has honestly been one of the most impressive people uh to me you know throughout camp so I think fans should be really excited about him, you know, what, what, what he's going to be able to do, you know, center and left guard, the, the Seahawks still kind of have to figure that out a bit. But um, I think it's safe to say that the defense is ahead uh, of the offense at this point, you know, in terms of, you know, kind of a chemistry standpoint, but, you know, Russ looks fine. DK is, you know, going to be DK Tyler as well, but, um, but yeah, the, the defense has definitely kind of been at a higher gear, um, if you ask me. And maybe that shouldn't be too surprising, right? It, it seems like every year it takes the offense a little bit longer to get their timing down, the offense learning how to work together. And maybe part of it is that the Seahawks never seem to return more than two to three offensive linemen every year. But uh, obviously a lot of question marks around the defensive line. I know a lot of fans are still saying, sign Clowney, get another pass rusher. And and maybe even a guy on the defensive interior, but uh, maybe they see maybe the Seahawks are content for now. Yeah, I I think they will that they won't say it, but I I do think they'd like to you know maybe get one more you know pass rusher. I mean, yeah, like like I said, they 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 won't say that, 
Sure. But I do think they like what they have. Benson Mayo, uh, Benson Mayoa has been really good. Um, I, I didn't really realize how, how good he was. He, he's just gets off the edge, you know, so quickly. And he, he's going to be a guy that um, really produces for them, you know, for, from a pass rush standpoint. Alton Robinson, the fifth round pick out of Syracuse, has, has been good good as well. Mm-hmm. LJ Collier has, has lost some weight. It, it looks like he he looks a little faster. But yeah, the, the defense as a whole, I, I think the Seahawks are, are comfortable where they're at. You know, they a lot of guys returning. Obviously, you're gonna have Quandre Diggs for a full year, kind of patrolling that back end. So they're they're happy about that. You know, Shaquille Griffin's a Pro Bowler. A lot of fans have been critical of of Trey flowers, especially just because of the, you know, uh, of the Packers game, right. You know, because that's, you know, kind of recency bias and, and the struggles he had in that game against Devonte Adams. But the Seahawks are confident that, you know, he, he can take a step forward and obviously having Quentin Dunbar in the mix, I, I get the feeling that they like what they have at the right cornerback spot. And then, you know, exp- uh, having uh, Marquise Blair play some nickel and, Bobby and KJ and Jordan Brooks in, in, in the linebacker comp, you know, they, they have, they have a really good, you know, back seven. I think kind of like what I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. the, the, the pass rush is still a little t- to be determined. They have flashed some brilliance, I think just, just in the practice setting, but at the end of the day, you can only tell so much from, from, from this practice setting, right. And, and you're going against your same teammates over and over again. It, it's going to really, we're not really going to get a feel for that until week one and, and the, the early weeks of the season. Um, it's just kind of my impression that, you know, they could use, you know, another guy in, in the past rush and, and at defensive tackle as well. But, um, but when you talk about that, that back seven, you know, with the linebackers, the, the linebacker core um, is super deep. Their secondary is obviously vastly improved from last year. So, Overall, a, a lot of upgrades on the defense, but the, the the defensive line, I think, will kind of sort itself out in the next several weeks. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering, too, with the mock game coming up on Saturday, if maybe we'll start to get maybe a little bit better idea or, or maybe you're getting an idea of enough just seeing guys who are in practice and getting majority of the snaps. I, I wonder if that's going to if we're going to see that play out from this week of practice and then going into the mock game. Yeah, I, I think they'll definitely, you know, want to get a better look at that, right? Because there's no preseason. You only have two mock games. The first one, like you said, being tomorrow on Saturday and uh, the second one being Wednesday. You know, to my understanding, the the mock game won't be televised. So uh, I guess it, people kind of be looking for to, to me and kind of other reporters that will be there. Um, but I, I kind of expect it to to be a lot of what we've seen in the kind of the last several practices, you know, like I said, Benson, um, Alton Robinson, those guys, I expect them to, to get a lot of looks. Pete Carroll has indicated that, you know, the ones, the, the starters will, will play a lot just because of the limited time and the challenges forced by, you know, this season. So, you know, Benson, Alton, you know, they, they obviously like, to use Bruce on the edge, you know, as a Sam in, uh, you know, kind of early down situations and then, you know, on the edge in on passing downs and all that. And yeah, I guess just really seeing in time in, in really the most realistic game setting yet, like how they're actually able to get to Russ. 
Um, that, that's going to be really interesting to see. You know, I expect to see a lot of blitzing too. Like I was mentioning with Adams, you know, and, and j- just what he's able to do, you know, from a, you know, schematic d- diversity standpoint, you can kind of deploy him. And, you know, I expect to see some corner blitzes as well and just getting creative with, you know, where you're getting the quarterback pressure from. But, but yeah, I think after this, this first game, this first mock game, excuse me, and, and kind of the next coming practices, we'll really get a, a sense for what the Seahawks want to do with kind of the pass rush situation. Yeah, I was really hoping that it seemed like initially when they talked about that mock game uh, and having two of them, that they were going to broadcast it up at Seahawks.com. But I I'm trying to look at the website and see it doesn't look like there's any indication. It looks like the next, you know, where they normally stream the practices. They don't have anything scheduled up there till Monday. So I think that's going to be a little bit disappointing if if we don't get to see some live football. But I, I guess that, that's just the way it is. Yeah, it, it is, Brandon. It's it's frustrating for all of us, you know, for you fans, but also for, for me and some of the other reporters out here I've been talking to just from, you know, what we can and can't you know, see or, or report and all that. I actually talked to, you know, the, the PR folks earlier today and they confirmed to me that the mock game won't be televised. Okay. So um, that's, that's kind of a bummer for, for the fans. And, you know, I know they're already kind of seeing limited stuff from the feed, from the live feed through the team because they don't want them to kind of they don't want to showcase too much through that so yeah we get about an hour of stretching and uh <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah and that's pretty much all we can report too as soon as they they kind of hit the the team session stuff we we you'll notice from a lot of us how what we're saying is very vague and uh just oh so and so had a highlight play but we can't really say the alignment or you know kind of it's 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 kind of something we're all still trying to figure it out to 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 be honest with you Brandon it's yeah. just kind of a tricky space to navigate in you know i feel like things are tricky enough with trying to keep all the players healthy this offseason why add the extra degree of difficulty of worrying what our team reporters are talking about or not talking about but it sounds like it's happening all over the nfl Coming up next, I won't be trying to get Ben to spill the beans on the snap counts for each player or how often they send Jamal Adams on a blitz in practice. Instead, we'll talk about Quentin Dunbar and Philip Dorsett, who spoke to the media on Friday. Ben, I want to get your big takeaways from what you heard coming up next. Talking to Ben Arthur of the Seattle PI, talking about training camp leading up to Saturday's mock game. One of the big news items from this past week was confirmation that the Seahawks won't have any fans in the stands at CenturyLink until November at the soonest. So with Atlanta not having fans at the opener, you know, that's four or five games where there's guaranteed to be no fans. And gosh, that's going to be something that's going to be interesting to get used to early on. Yeah, the the fan dynamic is going to be really, really fascinating. You know, like you said, for their at least for their first five games, the Dolphins, who are their week four opponent, haven't had you know haven't made a decision yet. But that that's that's certainly a possibility. They won't that there won't be fans there either. And you know where it's kind of at right now, the earliest the Seahawks can have you know fans at Century Link would be November which is just nuts to say, but that would be weeks uh, seven, 
I want to say against the 49ers, but, but yeah, from, from a Seahawks standpoint, it's going to be interesting how that works because, you know, we, we both know how much the, the Seahawks feed off of the 12th man, especially that defense when it gets really, you know, rowdy in, in century link and, and feeding off that energy on third down and all that, and not having that this year, but at the same time, you know, it's going to be that same case for you know a lot of the teams i mean so, so i guess some some teams will maybe have some limited capacity but for the most part there won't be fans at all so in, in that regard everyone's on an even playing field and it's just about you know being able to you know rise to the occasion regardless and you know part of why these first two mock games are going to be so big for the seahawks um getting used to playing in century link without fans you know pete carroll has talked about the importance of really simulating a preseason environment they're, they're going to go through that you know pre-game routines the walkthrough and you know probably the the same kind of introductions you'd hear during you know a regular season game and 12 minute halftime and really just get a feel for how that's like um it's going to be really big for them to really get a grasp of that but you know knowing p carroll he's you know, his always compete mantra, he's, you know, he's taking this head on and, and he, he's not going to use that as an excuse, um, the, the no fans thing as an excuse. That's, you know, kind of, that's for sure. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious where you come out on this, Ben, because one of the things the NFL talked about was maybe piping in crowd noise into the stadiums. And, you know, in, in one way, I think it would make a television broadcast feel more normal. But at the same time, I think of, you know, the energy that they get from the fans, I, I'm worried that piping in crowd noise could drown out the energy that they hear from their teammates on the sidelines. I, I think that would be the way that teammates could go and, and get fired up a little bit, hearing their own teammates on the sidelines, you know, cheering for a big play. That's going to be really interesting to, to see how that um, that whole dynamic works. I don't I don't know exactly how, you know, the Seahawks plan to approach that. I don't know if that's going to be. I'm not sure if that, you know, report has been, you know, finalized and if that's going to yeah. be kind of uniform for all the teams yet. But, but yeah, I think kind of with, with the circumstances of, of this season, you know, the, the teams are really harping on harping to their, their players to, to really bring the energy from the sideline and knowing Pete, he's definitely probably harping that message to the players. You know, I'm thinking about how in the NBA bubble, they've, I think they've really been able to do a really good job of that in, in the NBA where, I mean, I, I obviously don't know what it's like for, for the players, you know, as they play, but from a, you know, a viewership from a TV viewership perspective, it hasn't seemed all that different in terms of the, the buzzing of noise. I mean, seeing the screens of all the virtual fans is kind of weird, but in terms of the buzzing of noise, it hasn't been all that different. And I know some of the players there have said it's not all that different in that regard. So maybe from, from an NFL standpoint, maybe that's what they kind of go for. I mean, obviously you want kind of that energy from your sidelines because you're not going to have the fans there, but you know, maybe the kind of that, that buzzing fan noise, they, they create that virtual noise, whatever is kind of able to, to supplement, you know, kind of the cheering that's going on, on the sidelines. And so, so yeah, Brandon, it, it's going to be really fascinating to see how, how they kind of, how that all kind of works out. And I think we'll get a taste for that in the mock game 
on Saturday, you know, for those of us who are going to be there yeah. to see how that, you know, whole dynamic is going to work. Well, on Friday, uh, it started out for you and the media with Quentin Dunbar being available to the media really for the first time since his incident back in May, I think. And I, I guess it was his his first press conference. If you technically don't count the fact that his press conference was after the incident, like the day after. Um, what, what do you make of his kind of entire offseason situation? Oh, man. Well, it was it, it was a whirlwind, a uh, lot of dramatic twists and turns. It felt it felt like um, you know, one moment it, it felt like, oh, the case is just going to go away. And then the next moment it's like, oh, the whole, you know, Seahawks Twitter, it was like, oh, the Seahawks should just cut him. And then it kind of tones down a bit. And then it kind of goes back to, oh, there's this alleged, you know, cover up scheme. And it was just kind of a lot of up and downs, you know, from Dunbar's standpoint, it had to, you know, feel really good to know that the Seahawks stood by you the entire time you know, whereas a lot of teams probably would have just cut him, right. You know, there, there are multiple times where it seems like they could have cut him, but the, the uh, Seahawks stood firm to kind of just letting the legal process play out. And, you know, I know he appreciated that. He talked about that, you know, when speaking to reporters over zoom today and, you know, at this point he, he he's just ready to, you know, kind of move on, you know, a couple of us asked, you know, in pointed questions about, the case and all that. And to no surprise, he, he didn't, you know, really want to talk about that, but just from what he did say, you know, it, it was kind of a whirlwind to him. He described himself as being in a very dark place, uh, depressed, couldn't eat, couldn't, you know, didn't have the energy to work out. So it was, you know, sounds like a really rough couple months, few months for him, regardless of if, of whether, you know, what actually happened, you know, the, Obviously, you know, prosecutors declined to, you know, press charges um, due to insufficient evidence. But there's obviously kind of a lot of um, stuff that's left unanswered because of the circumstances of the case. And so maybe we'll, we'll never really know. But um, to get back to your, your question, it was, it was, yeah, it was just kind of a, a whirlwind. You know, it felt like every week there was something new, a different development and didn't really know where it was going to go. At this point, you know, he's, you know, the Seahawks are surely, you know, I know Dunbar is happy, but, you know, the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, they're definitely happy. They they have him in the mix now practicing. He's been doing team uh, drill stuff for the first time the, the last few days. So they're excited to get him kind of in the mix competing with, uh, with Trey Flowers. And, and we'll kind of see where it goes from there. But, you know, obviously it seems like their suspension is still possible and, uh, Dunbar even acknowledged that he quote, he, like he said, it's definitely possible. Um, you know, it's just how the NFL works and kind of the, the inconvenience inconveniences to, to the Seahawks and into the league, you know, it sounds like that could still happen, but for, for now, you know, it seems like he's kind of taking it day at a time, you know, that's all you really can do. So yeah, just, just a world. I don't know what else to say other than it's just kind of been a whirlwind, not just for him, but just to cover that, you know, when you don't really know what's going to happen and where you, you feel like you have to kind of change the narrative of your story each time there's a new development that came up. Yeah. And he did say that the truth is going to eventually come out. And I, I'm kind of thinking that based on everything that's happened, that needs to be in an entire book. So 
Uh, ben, oh I don't know gosh, if you want to yeah. get in on that uh, as, you know, the potential author of that story, but uh, I think that would be uh, a good one as a Seahawks fan, just to to hear everything that goes in behind the scenes and uh, that led up to all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Hey, if, if Dunbar, his agent, if, if they let me get in on that story and be the one to tell that, you know, it's going to be one hell of a story <laughs> uh, if, if I am the one that get, gets that or whatever, whenever the exclusive on what actually happened comes comes out, that's going to be nuts. But uh, but as a reporter, yeah, I'd love to get that. But uh, but yeah, you, you never know. You just never know. We will see. Uh, the other interview that uh, happened on Friday was Philip Dorsett speaking to the media for the first time. And on Thursday, Pete Carroll made the comment that he might be the fastest guy that's been a part of the team over the course of the time that Pete's been coaching. I'm, I'm kind of curious from from your perspective, if, if, is Dorsett kind of going under the radar this offseason? Because I feel like Josh Gordon and Antonio Brown have caught the eye of Seahawks fans more than than Dorsett, who they signed back in March. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like he's underrated. And I think Philip would say that he's, you know, felt underrated too. And not just because of all that, but just because of how he's been utilized at his previous stops. You know, you, you look at um, New England, you know, playing with Tom Brady there. But, you know, Philip has said how he, he felt like he was underutilized as a route runner. And, you know, kind of dating back to earlier in his career uh, with the Colts, who, you know, he was their first round pick, you know, several several years ago. Um, he was just kind of getting his feet wet in the league and was just kind of known as a speedster. And, you know, I think he kind of is hoping that in this offense he could show more of that, you know, how he is a more well-rounded receiver. You know, there have been a lot of instances in, in practice here where he's, you know, blown by DBs or, you know, had a really nice cut and nice catch. And so, yeah, I think he's definitely someone to watch. Uh, you know, we obviously know what Tyler and DK can do. You know, they're at the top of the room. But um, in terms of kind of that third receiver, I'd say, you know, I'd, ex- I'd expect him to kind of be the number three option right now. You know, there isn't, uh, in terms of depth, that spot the 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 room is still kind of shaking itself out a bit but um i think you know philip dorsett has definitely been a standout and you know being able to you know he worked he was one of the few guys that was able to work with russ in the off season um it was like him dk greg olson maybe a, another guy or two but basically you know he uh philip had a was able to get in some work beforehand and that certainly helps when you enter a training camp without having had an off-season program and him obviously being new to the team, that's certainly helped him. So yeah, I, I'd say the Seahawks should definitely, you know, watch for him. You know, he's he's blazing fast, of course, kind of four three, four two kind of range. Um but no, I know Ben, he's faster than fa- than anyone has ever. I mean, <laughs> what, fa- what was Pete's actual quote? Faster than uh, they could even imagine or uh, having times for. <laughs> yeah, I think his literal literal quote was he's the fastest guy we've ever had. Yeah. Here. Um, so I, I don't know about that. I mean, I've only been covering the team since 2018, so uh, I kind of have a limited sample size. Sure. But uh, but yeah, he, he is pretty he, he's fast. He is fast. It, it, um, you know, he's going to be a. You know, he's obviously another deep threat for for us in that offense. But, um, you know, really seeing I think he's really eager to show how he could be utilized as a, you know, kind of doing that full route tree, something he hasn't really been able to do in his previous stops. 
Well, Ben, before you go, one last question, uh, especially going into the mock game and with fans likely not being able to to see what goes on. What's kind of the one area that that's going to draw most of your focus as part of that mock game? I'd say the trenches, um, both sides of the ball, you know, the defensive line and the offensive line. You know, we, we know the offensive line is still kind of working itself out. I think, you know, the Pete Carroll's, you know, praised uh, Damian Lewis, you know, like who I mentioned earlier, Brandon Shell, the new right tackle. And, uh, you know, Dwayne's obviously a steadying presence, but there's a lot they have to work out there. Um, you know, at center and left guard, you know, how they want to use BJ Finney and, and Ethan Posick and, um, yeah, just getting on the same page with the old line. I mean, that is so, I don't think a lot of fans really understand how intricate the, how, how intricate that the communication is, right. Not just with themselves, but with Russell, uh, making sure they're on the same page. So that's the, the offensive line and kind of the rotations at some of the interior spots is what I'm going to look at. And then kind of like we were talking about earlier, the defensive line. I mean, there's still a lot that needs to be figured out there. Um, you know, obviously at the edge, like I mentioned, but, uh, you know, the defensive tackle spot, you know, Puna hasn't practiced for a, for a few days now. And, you know, people have already kind of talked about concerns about the depth inside. So I think the trenches are going to have my eye for sure. I, I like the secondary and the linebackers, like I mentioned, you know, the, the receivers should be fine. The tight end group is deep as long as they're healthy. Um, the running back group will come, will be at full strength, you know, at some point in the season. But I think at this point, it's really the offensive line and the defensive line that really has the most work to do. He's Ben Arthur. Follow him on Twitter at Ben Y Arthur. Read his work at the Seattle PI. Definitely going to be looking forward to reading your write up after Saturday's mock game. Appreciate it, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. A big thanks once again to Ben Arthur for coming on and talking about what he's been seeing over these first couple of weeks. Since it sounds like we'll now just be following the action of the Mont game through any tweets that might get posted from our local reporters. While you're waiting around for that to start, some good stuff to check out up at Field Goals on Saturday. John Morgan has a piece up focusing on Jamal Adams. Tyler Olson takes a look at Seattle's opponents on the schedule and how injuries and opt-outs are impacting each team. And for the Let Russ Cook fans, there's a new t-shirt up at fieldgoals.com. I expect those are going to be going fast. Coming up on the podcast, we may get a post-game press conference from Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson on Saturday. I'll be curious to see what they have to say coming out of that. And I've already lined up at least two interviews for next week. So look for those as well as a new episode of the Seahawkers podcast early next week. If you haven't subscribed to that show yet, it's at seahawkerspodcast.com slash subscribe. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. Until next time, go Hawks. Hawks.